It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lookabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw with us, a voice and speech coach and a damn good actor, too. He is the official voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Work Cookie, our weekly gathering of IOs, HRs, recruiters, and one actor, as we try to make the world of work just a little bit better. Dr. Destiny, today you are our destiny. Uh, What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about... It's the title is implementing workforce analytics and data driven decision making in AR or HR. I said AR. I don't even know what AR is, uh, but it's really important if you're if you're looking at uh, social media, if you're lo- reading any of the newest you know things that are coming out. There is a lot of discussion about you know metrics and workforce analytics and all of these things that we've seen obviously throughout time but they are just the access and the ability to do these things a lot faster and make more informed decisions is you know the the way of the future so i'm excited to hear what people are seeing out there in various industries and maybe their own organizations and just excited about the conversation well i i'm always a little skeptical maybe when we come to you know talking about how we evaluate numbers uh, because as a speaking coach I've told lots of clients you know give me a set of numbers and I can prove both sides for you um <laughs> so h- how much is the interpretation of these numbers like is is that taken care of are, are all IOs on the same page this is how we interpret numbers or is there some of your own judgment coming into these evaluations Absolutely. The last, uh, definitely the judgment part. You know, I've worked for various clients and I can give them, you know, my recommended metrics all day long based on, you know, the field. But a lot of times clients want to hear what they want to hear uh, and they want to focus on the data that speaks to the particular narrative maybe that they are doing. But it's something to consider, you know, workforce analytics can help identify those hidden patterns and correlation in employee data. So, you know, if you're noticing maybe there's uh, certain trends going on, you know, you think there's trends, the, the the metrics can come behind and really confirm or deny those trends and things like that. So while yes, you know, people will say probably that they use the data to make their own narrative and, you know, create that own storyline for themselves, but the data doesn't lie. So <laughs> it's important to just know when to use it and know when to like, maybe just set it to the side and use it for maybe a future reference point. Um. <laughs> <laughs> my you have trust lots, is... <laughs> lots of thoughts there. I know. <laughs> well, I don't think you helped my trust level at all, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, can I trust an IO to be ethical? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that is part of no. I mean, seriously, you know, ethics is a is is important. You know, it involves handling the sensitive employee data. It's important to ensure that data privacy and confidentiality and compliance. So. Those things, you know, not only are we trained to do that, but, you know, when we come into our field, we want to make actual impact and we want to really, you know, design and and recommend things that actually impact the human. So when we are thinking about those things, we are always coming from that ethical perspective. And we are really that ethical, I think, voice for an organization whenever they're talking about data and the use of data. Uh, we can be that that human that comes behind and says, okay, well, ethically, or uh, maybe those are some of the things you can you should consider. Or maybe these are some of the things that other organizations have done that are out there, you know, floating around in media that probably aren't so good. So let's avoid those things. So we can really be that, uh, you know, that voice for them of ethics. Well, Linda, and I'd love to go to you because, you know, I've, there's a lot of IOs will talk about how they use analytics and data, but how does the HR department view all this information that, that may be coming at them? Well, I think it depends on the HR department you're talking about. Um, <laughs> and I, I think the, the HR metrics are extremely helpful and critical 
but we also need to look at how those metrics interface with the business metrics and strategies and how they influence one another. And one of those things is um, when I was thinking about you know, how to depict that for today's conversation, for example, in healthcare, right? One of the metrics or, or data points that's so critical in healthcare is infection, infection rate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you were looking at maybe there's a spike in infection rate in the organization, right? And if you're travel, if you're tracking your stuff regularly, monthly, and, and so forth, which they usually do on a monthly basis, they might see a spike in infection rate. Well, does that have any correlation to the hiring process? Right. Did we think about, did we just go ahead and hire? you know, a huge segment, 30, 40, 50 people in into a specific area and then have them trained. So is it the fact that they weren't, maybe they weren't trained properly and it's not really a cause in the, on the floor, or maybe we decided to lower the criteria for who we're hiring based on the fact that we can't find anybody. So did that have an influence? So it's those kinds of things where you look at the metrics of, yeah, we filled those positions and we did it in 45 days, yay us. But did that have a huge impact on the business and the business strategy? You know, the other thing too is uh, for, for HR, the huge metric is retention rate, especially now, right? Right. Well, then you go ahead and you look and you, did you have a hiring, again, a hiring um, push? And so now, say you had 100 people and you hired 25 more. So that's a 25, 20% or 25% increase in your population. That dilutes your calculations, right? So you might look at your retention rate as going down because those people aren't going anywhere for a year or two. But that's that's artificial. So you have to break it down into different levels and look at it in a different way. So it's really important to understand looking at the trends and the impact and those kinds of things, but dig down to the root cause of any difference in trend or patterns. So often the results of your data is just a starting point. It, it's not the final conclusion of where you want to get. Um, and there's lots of people here today. So if you'd like to join the conversation, just raise your hand and we'll get to you. Dr. Martha, let's go to you. These were some great points that uh, both Dr. Pratt and Linda Ann brought up when it comes to data and data interpretation, because we are human to a certain degree, there's always some kind of a personal bias, even though we try the hardest to leave that out. But reality is what it is. But what's important here is to see the value of an IO as that impartial third party who is not going to be influenced by maybe the organization's agenda or wishful thinking of what they want the results to be or whatever else is happening in the world out there, whether it's marketing, whether it's social media, whatever it may be. This is why it's so important to have someone who is trained in looking at data and being able to interpret it and then providing an impartial interpretation of the data, not one that is playing into whatever agenda may be within an organization or outside an organization. Because you're right when you said, Tom, at the beginning, give me a set of numbers and I can make it support anything that I want to support. And that's not entirely untrue. People have been known to do that, right? There is a certain way of of wording things. But if you have people who are trained in understanding data, who are trained in evaluating a study, evaluating how the data was collected, you may have the data that supports everything you want it to support. But if it wasn't collected properly, then it's garbage. You can have your wishful thinking, wishes fulfilled all you want. But if it's garbage data, it doesn't really mean anything. So that's the big takeaway for me is make sure that as an organization, you're bringing in professionals who can do the job and who are not going to lean towards one agenda or the other, but rather give their best at being as impartial and truthful as possible. Yeah. Once again, IO psychologists are are going to 
really, you know, the, the, the benefit and the cost savings of bringing in somebody with knowledge from the very beginning, you know, instead of doing the whole process and going, oops, <laughs> looks like we got to start again. Um, Lee, let's go to you. You know, some, some very good points brought up there. You know, there's, there's always the problem with confirmation bias and the starting with the end in mind. And so having someone either on staff or bringing in a consultant who can look at the situation and figure out kind of where you want to go, but not the foregone conclusion. Because, you know, like Dr. Martha said, you can you can make the numbers to say the story that you want them to say if you've already determined what the outcome is. You know, it's kind of like reading the last page of the book first, you know, and, and we don't want to do that. And so it is imperative, like so many of these things, it is imperative to get buy-in from the top and go, okay, look, this may not tell you what you want to hear. So I'm going to put that out at the beginning, but this may not be the prettiest story that we have. But we need to tell this story because, you know, it's just like Grimm's fables, right? They weren't necessarily the prettiest story, but there were important lessons there. And so if we really are, are, are committed to improving our business and improving our processes, and, you know, both, both business and people, then we really need to be committed to actually uh, taking the time and making the investment to use the correct sources, to use the correct collection methods, and to have someone who knows how to accurately, you know, interpret those because, you know, interpretation is huge. I mean, you could, you know, I mean, you know, you ever take some, something in, you know, in Spanish and type it into Google Translate and then, you know, have it translate back and forth. It can get very entertaining, but it's kind of like playing telephone. You know, you're going to end up with this way different story at the end and, and you owe it to your client or your boss or whoever the case may be to give them the accurate picture. But you need to set that up ahead of time yeah. because people don't like bad news. And so you need to set up ahead of time that this may not be what you want to hear. We need to establish that now before I go down this rabbit hole and get myself fired because, you know, it's easier than you facing the truth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once again, get an I.O. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you. I, I want to reiterate this. Um, and, and what Lee said is, is on target. I think it's really important to understand that it's not just the HR or the IO that needs to understand the how to interpret the data and the trend and and so forth. And they also the the C-suite and the manager mid-level or whatever also need to understand how to collect these numbers and how to use the numbers um, and how integrated what we collect in the HRIO realm with your humans, how integrated that is into your real business numbers and your business strategies. They're not something that can be really separated. And if you look at something like in, in project-based organizations, you know, net revenue per employee, you know, how much is in each employee billing out, right? Those kinds of things for you. You can look at a department or a division and say, oh, well, our, you know, it's a whatever, 20% or 80% bill rate, okay? Well, overall, that may be true, but you need to look deeper into, well, is our three people carrying the load for the rest? And, you know, is that a performance issue or is that a, a, a management issue or all those kinds of things that need to be deciphered to maintain a, a productive and efficient organization? Because you can look at, well, Overall, we're billing X and that's a, a such and such percentage. Well, when you scale, you can really have your profitability diluted by just a few people, right? And then also your hiring metric will take a hit. You'll be hiring more people than you really need. So it's important for those managers to really understand how integrated those human resource metrics are with their business strategies and business metrics. Right. So once again, you know, information is great, but it really depends on what you do with it and, and how you handle it. And what is it truly telling you? Which once again, you know, you, you need an expert to come in and just inform you what the data is actually telling you or you could go down the wrong path. Uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. So all of that brings me to the next point. Sometimes data and the findings of whatever data collection, whatever study 
that was conducted is really most relevant for management for the C-suite. But there are plenty of times when findings of the study really need to be conveyed to the organization as a whole. And I think all too often when that is the case, it either one doesn't happen or it happens on such a superficial level where some kind of findings or end result are sent out to the organization en masse, but nothing is really interpreted. The individual employee is left to their own devices to try to interpret, well, what does it mean? What does it mean for me as an individual working for this organization? What does it mean for my department? What does it mean for the organization as a whole? And I think that is, those are those loose ends that can be more detrimental to the overall experience than they ever needed to be. Because if nothing gets shared, and if it should in a specific case, then there's potential um, side effects of that. And if things are shared on a superficial level, then people are left to make their own conclusions. So we have to make sure as an IO working with an organization that we nudge the organization and guide the organization to do that follow through, that follow up as it needs to be done. If the data solely is for the purpose of the management or C-suite and the individual in the trenches really doesn't need to be bothered with it, that's fine. But if the data is valuable to the workforce as a whole, there needs to be that communication and it needs to be good quality communication. Just saying this is what we found percentage-wise may mean absolutely nothing to individuals working within the organization. So that's another important point to remember. And an IO, if you hire an IO, hire a professional, can help the organization to get that done and get it done correctly. Thank you very much for that. And Dr. Destiny, that I, I want to come back to you for a second because uh, that's where I was going to eventually get to with this point is, you know, I've, I've been with organizations where, you know, we're collecting data, you know, and the first thing you think of why and, you know, who's going to get fired because of this. <laughs> but then, you know, that's the last we've ever heard of it. Like, you know, come in, we're collecting data and, you know, so did you collect your data and what were the results and how is this going to affect me in the future? So, you know, it's one thing to collect data and make sure you've got good data, make sure you've got someone like an IO who understands the data and where you need to go. But then you actually have to work with the employees and implement these changes. So how involved do we want the employees to get with this? I mean, you know, it's often treated as, you know, sacred knowledge. We've collected data and we're not going to share it with anybody because, you know, we want to keep and it's just not worth it. Like, <laughs> let me know. Let me help out. So so how do we actually get to the implementation part? Yeah, it's, it's I mean, that's a complicated process in most cases, right? Because it really depends on, you know, historically, what have organizations done? You know, they withheld, just like you said, or they've only told apart or they haven't really gotten super involved. But we even talked about this a few episodes ago when it comes to that strategic communication plan. That is something that is so critical, you know, to understanding why we're collecting, you know, the point of it. Maybe even like uh, somebody mentioned before, like a pre-brief and a debrief after that. And I think that's like such a great idea, um, you know, and there's there's research that shows that successful implementation of workforce data requires a combination of technical expertise, data literacy, and effective communication skills to translate data insights into actionable HR strategies and initiatives. So it does take, you know, a combination of really good, solid people that understand data trends and things like that. But also, just like you said, a communication strategy to get the understanding out there as to what's the intent and what are we going to do with it? You know, there are so many things that we have access to now that make data like real time, very, you know, realistic in an organization. And I worked in organizations where you can literally go see, you know, a basically it real time data pinned up at any point about a given certain topic or, uh, you know, whatever is going on at the time. And that's good. But sometimes that can be a little bit overwhelming for like an individual because you're like, well, what's the point? What is, what happens if a number goes up or down? You know, how many of us have worked in sales where our commission 
you know, organizations where we're just competing all the time based on numbers and data, and it just kind of drives a culture. So really understanding when and how to give access to people and understanding what the implications of those things are if you do decide to go that route. So um, just, just, you know, a lot of things have to kind of come together to, to make the right implementation strategy and effective outcomes that you're looking for. And once again, the best person for that is probably an IO psychologist. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, let's go to you. That does bring up a good point. I mean, I actually had a, a young IO reach out to me recently and said that her boss had handed her a survey and said, hey, you know, what do you think of the survey? We want to give this to our people. And she's like, I, I'm not sure. Can you look at this? And I looked at it. And my first question is, what are we doing? What are we asking for? What is our purpose behind this? And what do you expect to do with the results? Because there wasn't really, you know, a lot of it was just kind of open questions. And how do you quantify? And so she's like, well, I don't know. Let me check with my boss. And so I had to go back and figure out kind of what they were trying to find out. Because, you know, if you don't have an end in mind, you know, you don't know where you're going. Any path will get you there, right? You know, you got to have that. You got to know what you're collecting and why. And then, of course, you got to structure your, your whatever you're doing, your, your survey or whatever, in a way that's going to get you data that's actually usable. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, that goes around to the the interpretation. I mean, like I work in a in an organization that does analytics and AI and we had dashboards at the at the yin yang. And, you know, you look at this and you go, what is this telling me? Well, obviously, it's telling me nothing because I don't know what it means. And so somebody, you know, you've either got to make your dashboards idiot proof, as it were, or somebody needs to have the time and take the time to explain it to you. And of course, if I'm just going to go in and look at a dashboard, I don't need to be able to, you know, hey, Tom, what is this telling me? Because you got stuff to do. And and uh, and I do want to point out that when we're talking about this, you know, we, this could be macro or it can be micro. Because we can go on the big level, we can look organization wide and, you know, going into the C-suite talking about this stuff. But we can also be down in a work center where a, a manager or something is using this for employee development, disciplinary, training needs, whatever else. And so when you're going to do that, you've got to remember that there needs to be a baseline. You know, if I'm going to go in there and I'm potentially affecting employees' future with this organization – that employee needs and deserves to know what's the standard. So either you set that on ahead of time and then you design to, to, to measure that, or you need to do a base, you know, line survey or, or, you know, assessment of some sort and come in and go, okay, so this is our results. And this is, you know, this is how we're going to go from here because they don't know the standard. They don't know if they're making it. I mean, I had one of my guys want to, want to, to, to deal with one of his people and say, you know, you're not meeting the grade. He said, well, did you tell him his expectations? Uh, well, you can't tell him he's not meeting it if he doesn't know what it is. So let's start with that. Give him an opportunity to meet that or not. And then we'll address it if necessary. Because, you know, you can you can throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. But in, in the end, all you're going to do is end up with a mess. So... We really need to make sure that we're properly planning and thinking this through. However, if you do need an idiot to test drive your board, let me know. Uh, and let's go to you. I think it's important for us to talk about the value to businesses to doing this and doing it well. And, and why should they care? And part of the reason is, you know, Lisa, he works for, you know, data analysis and, and AI company, right? So the data and, and, and destiny has, has talked about how much there is out there for quickly, the real time data, right? That's out there for us. And the value in having good real time data and understanding the data trends and so forth is it allows you to respond to the market more quickly and if your competitors are responding to the market quickly and you're not, that's a death toll for you, right? A death knell. So it's important not just be, to be competitive and so that you can also, because markets change so quickly, you have one, like how much has AI changed the, the business, the world of business and the way we function right now in the past six months, even four months, right? So Things happen on such a global level and so quickly that we need to be able to use the information well to make those agile shifts so that we can stay competitive. Yeah. Aren't there now IOs who are 
focusing on artificial intelligence? I mean, as it comes into business, aren't there IOs now who are, you know, specifically looking at that aspect to help us guide through it? Uh, so, you know, once again, you, you get the experts. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. We'll be right back after this break. Please subscribe to the podcast because it helps us out and it helps the field of IO. And if you are in or getting into the industrial organizational psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking for support to jumpstart your career, blaze your IO path, and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. If you're a more established IO practitioner, check out our expert membership to showcase your expertise, build your brand, and be part of our initiatives. Do you lead a university's IO or applied IO psychology program? Go to cboc.com, get in touch to partner with us to build your program's brand and get solid real-world support for your students. Let us do the heavy lifting for their engagement and experiences. And businesses, get in touch. We've got the bank of experts you need for coaching, consultation, and program development and execution. Welcome back. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. Dr. Mark, let's go to you. Dr. Pratt brought in a, a very important variable into the conversation when she mentions culture. Because just as data can drive culture, like in her example, it can go the other way where the company's existing culture can drive what is done with the data that is collected, how it is potentially interpreted, how it is used, which makes it that much more important to have someone come in, a professional who is not so deep into the company's culture that they can't see beyond it, but rather can see the information for what it is. When you're steeped in a company's culture on a daily basis, you are going to be blind to so many things because they will become normal to you and they won't stick out. They won't seem like anything unusual. It will take a a third party to come in and say, wait a minute, this is not normal, or this is something that's out of the norm or out of, you know, out of the ordinary. And that will allow for the data to have a much better chance of being interpreted without a bias, without um, a filter, without a, a specific lens of that culture. So that's another important thing to remember. It's just one more a piece of supporting information to say there are so many things that come into play here. You can't leave this up to the layperson to play with. You need someone who knows what they're doing. And that's the bottom line. How, how does the C-suite react to data? You know, is is it generally, I expect the data to reframe what I'm thinking and support it, or are they open to the truth of data? It really depends because what it comes down to is the individuals and their personalities. If you have a group of people that are in coherence with one another and they are basically saying, we need you to come in and prove what we already know, then it's a whole different reality when we're collecting that data than people who are open-minded or if you have a mix of people where at least some of our of them are open-minded and want to know, well, what is the raw data and what does it mean from an unbiased perspective, from a professional's perspective? So IOs have their jobs cut out for them because not only do they navigate the data and the studies and the validity of the data collection and the studies, they have to also be the psychologists that they are because they're working with people and people are full of baggage, as we all know. So we have to be able to account for all of that. But that's just one of the many things that make IOs so delightful. (laughs) Yeah, I should have a tea party. Uh, Linda, let's go to you. I also think it's important to uh, utilize if they exist within your particular industry, industry standards and industry benchmarks so that you can really see how they're calculating those standards. And a lot of times they'll give them to you in that in their reports and so forth. But so that you have an idea of, as Lee was saying, where do you want to go? 
what's what's the the you're not just comparing your own data you're looking at industry standards and different aspects of industry standards and so it can give you a whole different picture on your company when you say oh they're at you know 87% and we're at 57% maybe we should do something about that or maybe we should look how we're collecting the data or whatever but it can give you real window into expectations quality standards goals things like that and even an idea of what you should be measuring. Right, exactly. Because sometimes you might not know, you might know there's an issue. Like we often know there's a problem, but we don't often know what the problem is or even what we should be measuring to to rectify those issues. Um, Dr. Matthew, if you don't mind, I'd love you to hop on here and just share with us some of the experiences that that you've had with the collection of data and, and how the implementation of it went. Um, sure. So, uh, you know, to echo a lot of what uh, Linda Ann and, and Dr. Martha have said, and even Lee and, and Dr. Preet, the, um, it's very important to understand not only what are we collecting, but how is that message being received and um, what the end result is on what you're trying to produce from that from that collection. So, so really, yeah, just kind of echoing a lot of what they've said so far. Uh, let me ask you, because I often think of if we're going to collect data, it usually comes from, you know, the upper echelons of the organization going, we want to look at something we want. Does mid-management ever go, geez, there's something interesting going on here, and I'd really like to collect some data to, to see what's going on? Does does it ever come from sort of the lower or middle echelons of business? You know, oftentimes feedback can can come from any level. Uh, really, what it what it comes down to is whoever is that decision maker, that that driver that can then bring in those specialists, those IOs to to analyze to to look into to whatever that feedback is that's being received. So, in my experiences and and talking with different people as well, sometimes that middle management has that feedback that's saying, "Hey, look, let's look at something here." But if it's falling on deaf ears, it's not going to actually result in any any progress going forward. At the same time, when you have open minded uh, executives and C-suite that are willing and eager to listen to that feedback from all levels. When that feedback is is shared and disseminated throughout the channels, throughout you know ups and downs, you now all of a sudden have that open mind that says, "Okay, we've got something here that I wasn't aware of. Maybe it's I'm not in that particular office, but if that's their experience, we need to look into this. Is it isolated to there, or is it something that's larger for our organization to?" Uh, to review and to assess and perhaps opportunities for us to develop and, and do a little bit better for our people when this is their experience actually out in their office or in their field or in their designated areas, but we don't always see it. Well, maybe IO psychologists can figure out a really great hearing test for the C-suite. Um, <laughs> Dr. Martha, let's go to you. Tom, you brought up a really good point about sometimes not even knowing what to measure, right? Because you don't know what the problem is. Something is off, but in order to make a decision to collect data, you have to know what to collect and why. So data collection may sometimes need to be preceded by a different kind of collection of information first. Again, that's where your friendly IOs come in because they can help the organization to understand where potential issues are and what kind of data will be helpful, what kind of data should be collected next so that whatever the issues are could be properly and effectively addressed. So that was an excellent point because I don't want organizations to think that an IO is going to come in and wave a magic wand and everything will be fixed. Sometimes it can be a longer process that we all anticipated. And an organization needs to be okay with that. And they need to be committed with that. Because if you truly want to know, and if you truly want to be able to take action and get the desired results, then you need real data. You need valuable, true, meaningful data. Look, we can all collect data all day long, but most of it is meaningless. What's the point? We're just collecting data as a hobby, as a pastime. That's what people do when they stare at a phone screen all day long and, and look at social media, right? You're collecting data of sorts. It doesn't mean anything. So this is where an IO can come in and truly work with an organization. So even if an IO comes in and an organization says, this is what we want you to, 
collect data on, maybe not be a bad idea to make sure that that really is the data that will be valuable down the road and then go from there. But an organization needs to be understanding and open to that. That's why you bring in a professional because they're going to think of those things and they're going to have the tools and the suggestions and be able to guide you as an organization. Yeah, you know, if I'm a frontline worker and an IO psychologist tells me the why of why we're collecting this information, you're going to get a lot better answer from me in your results. Um, Linda Ann, let's go to you. So to build on what Dr. Martha was was just saying, you know, in my experience, and I've and I've mentioned this before, you know, I had data collected and compared it to industry standard that showed that the company I was working for was missing out on a million dollars of profit, right? And I presented it to the C-suite and they just were like, yeah, okay, I'm not kidding. And I I was, I was just, so anyway, when I reflected on why this was not a motivating factor, <laughs> I thought about the fact that I had not done enough to identify what their real pain points were to make it relevant to them. I mean, why a million dollars isn't relevant to anyone is just beyond me anyway. But when I reflected on it, it was really that I had not done enough in laying the groundwork on why this was such a, should be such a pain point and how it impacted the, the business overall. So, because one of my thoughts was to ask people here, what has been successful for them in making those En-ROADS to helping people be open to the information at that level. So if you'd like to generate over a million dollars of additional income in your organization, contact one of the experts. <laughs> it wasn't income. It was profit. <laughs> there, there are 23 people on the call right now who could probably help you. Uh, so make sure you reach out to one of the CBOC experts. Uh, Lee, let's go to you. You know, I think I might take a you know need a moment to regain my thoughts after hearing what Linda Ann just said. Egad, you know, wow. So the, the the two wonderful ladies who went before me both brought up really good things that I I, I could I'd like to build on real quick. Uh, you know, what, like what Dr. Martha said, before you collect a single piece of empirical data, you need observational data. You know, if you're going to do this correctly, you need to go in, you need to talk to whoever's going to pay the bill and say, hey, look. You know, before I can collect any kind of data for you, I need to know what I need to collect. Because what you think the problem is may not be what the problem is. And the only way I'm going to find that out is by asking questions. And, and one of the things that IOs really excel at is asking good questions. Because a good question is often much more important than the answer. And so going in there and doing your observational, doing your interviews, you know, going down below the C-suite and, and seeing what's happening on the shop floor and, and getting the real feel for what's going on, you could very often, actually, you'll find that what you think the issue is was not the issue at all. It was a symptom of something else. So, you know, you don't just walk in there and, and say, all right, we're going to, we're going to, do this assessment and solve all your problems. Well, maybe that's not the right assessment. So, and maybe you need to design something for them because they have a particular need or niche or like Linda Ann said with the standards, you know, they got a certain ISO they got to go with, whatever. So there are important things to go. And this is not a cut and dry thing. Of course, I mean, psychology, there's what's, what's cut and dry, but the, you've got to get those answers first. And, and then to, to jump over to what Linda Ann said, Understanding the pain point is huge, but so is understanding the ROI because, okay, and, and this is completely hypothetical. I have no idea what the situation was there, but okay, so you're missing a million dollars in profit, but what is it going to cost you to get that million dollars in profit? If it's going to cost me 1.5 to do whatever it is I need to do to get that 1 million, well, then I would say the ROI is probably a little lacking there, a little lopsided. So in, and which probably was probably not the case at all in the end situation, I'm just talking generalities, but, but you have to know, you have to dig deep enough to know, well, sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Sometimes it's much, much more work and cost and, and whatever it may be than what you would get out of it. 
because if I need to go and I need to hire an entire new team, well, then there's a whole lot less than a million dollars left. So, you know, those are those things that you need to do. And, you know, and then some people just have so much money. It's, you know, I hear that, you know, it's not as big a thing, but my brain doesn't compute that very well. Yeah. <laughs> I have a training budget. I just need to spend it. Um, let me let me put this question out to, to, to everyone who's on the call today, because I, I'm starting to wonder now, like if I ran a large investment firm, um, I'm mainly going to look at the bottom line, look at the numbers. But I'm thinking now if I run an investment firm, I might want to hire an IO psychologist to actually go through and look at these organizations to find out, are they leaving a million dollar profit? <laughs> My voice is going on the table, you know, or are they an organization who is really got their act together. Um, Dr. Destiny, you've been monitoring the chat. Has there been uh, some interesting stuff going on there? Uh, it hasn't been too popping today, which, you know, that's okay. But what we have shared in there are some resources from SHRM that are basically talking about the ethics uh, when it comes to, you know, HR and and, and metrics and things like that. So there are good resources there. Those will also be shared as reference notes to the podcast episode itself. But there's there's a the couple of really good resources that I, I like to kind of keep up with. There is a group on um, LinkedIn, for example, called Analytics and HR. If you follow them, they're always posting really interesting stuff um, about different, like there's everything that we do in an organization can somehow be analyzed. There's associated metrics that go along with it. There's right now I'm looking at a 51 metrics to kickstart your HR analytics journey. So like 51 metrics is a lot and they include things like revenue per employee, profit, labor costs per FTE, training efficiency, voluntary turnover rate. There are so many metrics. There are so many ways to measure those metrics. And so it's really important, once again, you know, if it, it, you can come on here and uh, you can say, you know what, I have some people in my HR that maybe we can create some sort of, you know, survey or some sort of way to capture this data. If they're not trained in the, in the way to do this, like the, that data is not necessarily going to be good data. It won't be very, you know, it won't be, it won't serve the purpose of it. So you can, you know, have hire an external, you can do it centralized in your in-house or you can have a build a small team, you know, and that small team, you know, the ideal person to be, you know, in charge of that team would be an IO. Uh, so you can do these things internally or externally. But and, and like I said, if you come onto these or you know websites and you see what well, what can I measure? What can I look at? It can be really overwhelming because there's so much out there that you can look at. And sometimes it's just good to like step back and take a break, like a breather and a break and say, okay, what's important? You know, what, what is, what's necessary? What are our competitors doing? What data is already available to us? <laughs> a lot of the things you track, that data is there. You know, somebody just got to export that data for you. So it's there. You just got to know how to know how and when to use it. So let me ask you this though, because probably about five years ago, I got into happiness and the importance of, of happiness. Can we measure in, I mean, we're always seem to be measuring client happiness and satisfaction. Can we measure employee happiness? Sure. I mean, it depends on what you're identifying as happiness. You know, are people staying? Are they loyal? Are they, you know, referring people? That's not, hey, I, I just, once again, you have to define that for you and your organization and the people you're looking at. But yes, absolutely. There are ways you can kind of associate those things, or you can simply just ask people. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is your level of happiness? Although you may not want to, because when you ask, you shall receive. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, how, you know, I can, I'm hopefully there's, you know, some member of the C-suite who regularly listens to Work Cookie, and they're wondering now, okay, you've got me believing, but how long is this going to take? Because, you know, now you, even before you collect data, now you want to start asking questions about what you're going to ask questions about. You know, is, is this going to take me six months? Is this going to take me six years? And is it really going to be worth it? It's a good question. I think, once again, it depends on what you're looking at. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, one of the things you have probably access to is a ton of data that maybe you haven't ever utilized. I know I work for an organization right now that. Literally, they've been collecting data for years, almost 20 years um, on various platforms, and they've never actually looked into the 
you know, they've never done a like really in-depth analysis. And so I've been asking for various different kinds of export pools from different platforms that they have access to. And we have been able to take all of these, feed these into AI, and we've done some Python coding with it. And we have been able to tell amazing stories based on this data that they've never even thought that they could do. Um, and it was very fast. And now we have, you know, in-depth, you know, item level analysis for their exams. We can, we can tell like, you know, we can uh, create profiles around their customer base that they've never been able to do so. And this is data that they already had. So it just really depends on your approach and what you're willing to do. And sometimes letting somebody be a little exploratory with what you have may be ideal because you never know what you have already just hanging out there waiting to be explored. So, you know, well, yeah. thought. Well, you know, the, the future is now. So could an, uh, an IO psychologist train artificial intelligence to ask smart questions and then actually spit out the, the data and like yeah, yeah. give you answers? Absolutely. And not only that, but they are also trained to, many are trained to code the data for you or like to, to train the bot how to tr code the data. That's what we actually did. We trained the bot how to code the data for us. So we took a lot of that hard effort behind it. Um, and there are so many platforms and systems that are, you know, accessible to organizations that can do that uh, for you. And, and like I said, a lot of these platforms that you already have access to, they're kind of in like, oh my gosh, we need to keep up with the trends of like how we are, you know, exporting our stuff to our customers. And so that's a good thing because a lot of it's like right now, for example, the survey platform that I used to only be able to pull certain things from, now they're really like picking it up. And now I can really ask it more information now because those platforms are being a little bit more diverse with their approach and their, their export. So it's all, like I said, accessible you just have to know how and when and why to use that. Because otherwise it can just be really overwhelming. You know, I can feed metrics all day long to you, but if it, what does it mean to you? How does it translate? And what do you do with that? That's where, but the IO is really the, the individual who is trained to be able to explain and translate those things for you. Well, we like almost all software now is tracking you that we're using in the office. I mean, I get a weekly email going, you know, we have analyzed how you're using your screen time. Um, and, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to look at that. Um, but are we are we collecting a lot of data and information that we just need to get an IO to access and, and tell us the story to build the narrative of where organization is? I mean, is it becoming that simple? I, I think so. I mean, yeah, I also try not to pay attention to the screen, you know, things that I get every week on Sundays from my phone, because it makes me like cringe at myself. Like, oh, so now when I'm spending more time on my phone, I'm like, all right, let me try to at least throw in like an article read or something, you know, not just the scrolling of, you know, mindless mundane stuff. Um, but yes, I think back to your question, I do think that like I said, we are trained to be able to really isolate and understand and help translate. And, and, and it can be as simple as, like you said, that, that screen report coming out. If you're ignoring it, think about how many people are ignoring it too, or how many, like what, what can we, you know, maybe having somebody come in like an IO and really start to flip the narrative a little bit. And like, just like that, like, okay, now that we have this data, what do we want to do with it? Okay. And then we can create those, you know, innovative and creative solutions to really just set that and leverage that data that already exists and is being put out there to you. So we can also come in and really just kind of switch things up for you with what you already have. That sounds great. Uh, Lee, let's go to you. I'll give you a call there, Dr. Disney. <laughs> you can take care of my yeah, phone so, for me. <laughs> yeah. So what, that's, it brings up an excellent point. What, what I like to call analysis paralysis. So when you get so much data that it's meaningless, like Destiny just said about all the, the data they've been tracking for years, what does it mean? I don't know. I just got this huge, you know, database. I don't know what that means. Uh, and also the, you know, the, the KISS concept, you know, keep it simple, silly, because when I go in and I give Tom some information, if Tom's eyes glaze over and roll up into his head, I've not actually added any value to the situation. 
So you have to make sure when you are selecting the way you are going to collect data that you don't collect so much that you just get lost in the sauce. I mean, I got no idea what I'm looking at here. It's a bunch of numbers. I don't know. So you got to make sure that you are targeting it to the point of what you actually need to do. And if you need to expand it, expand it. But stay small and let it grow instead of going for everything. You know, the, you know, you try to boil the ocean, you're not going to get anywhere. But right. the uh, and then and then when you bring those things in, if you're making a dashboard or you providing a report, having the background and the detail in your pocket is great, but keep your summary high level and pretty self-explanatory because like Dr. Powerser likes to say, if you have to explain the joke, it's not funny. So, I mean, as much as I like a retainer and everything, if you need me to explain it to you every time you look at it, I have failed. So keep it simple. Uh, one of the things that, that I think of is the frontline workers and how to get them excited, A, that you're collecting data, and then also, you know, how it's going to make their work life better. So, Dr. Destiny, is there any sort of research out there or any ways to get those involved with the collection of data? Uh, you know, it's going to affect them. They're collecting data about what we're doing. So, you know, I'd like those frontline workers to think that all of this is being done for their benefit, that it's going to make their lives easier and better. So how do I get those frontline workers really psyched about getting involved in, in the collection of data? Well, data uh, has, you know, various kinds of, you know, quantitative and qualitative. And I think the way to get people excited is through qualitative data. It's through talking about experiences, showcasing, you know, sharing real life examples of how data has led to those significant changes or actions in an organization. So that's important. And if that isn't something that you can share because there's no stories to be told, well, then maybe it's time to really take a look and say why. I'm sure there are times where you have heard something, seen a trend in something and made a change or a transition because of it. And so sharing those stories um, and then also just connecting that data to personal rele like relevance, you know, like how can this directly impact that person's, you know, workplace or day to day. Um, so just really understanding, once again, translating it down to the most simplest terms for that, you know, end user. This is how we think, you know, if you, if we understand why, then maybe, you know, those things that are frustrating to you as a manager could be impacted. So just really making those connections and showcasing the power of those data-driven insights, I think are two good strategies for that. Dr. Martha. Just to add to that, communication is so important because if you as an organization don't know who your people are, it's going to be difficult to figure out what motivates them and what drives them and what inspires them. So this is where communications come into play as being so important. If nobody is talking, if managers aren't talking to their people, if the people on the front lines aren't talking to the managers, then there's a whole different atmosphere. And there's a whole different challenge of understanding what would benefit people, what would motivate them. So communication is huge. And I think so often communication gets lost in the day-to-day. -day. We think we communicate when we exchange points of data or information with one another that is necessary for our tasks or the daily goals. But true communication within an organization, then you have things such as trust and psychological safety and being able to communicate openly and not being afraid of consequences, being able to offer data in a survey without worrying about consequences. So, so much comes into play here. So it's going to be a little bit different for every organization, but the core is always going to be open, honest communication that is welcomed rather than pushed aside or frowned upon. Well, if you don't have that open and clear communication, maybe that's a place to start. Uh, and once again, contact an IO. Uh, Linda Ann, over to you. I think with Dr. Martha and what Lisa is really important and we're talking about, you know, the communication and the return on investment and things like that. And for most people, you know, the old um, acronym WIFM, what's in it for me, is really relevant in this situation because even if you show them the data, if they can't relate it to what they do or why it's important to them, then the opportunity to change any behaviors or to make En-ROADS is very limited. 
And so I think it's really important for us to think about how can we drive down the relevance of the data and the impact that it can have. And can it mean, you know, that you can get that piece of equipment that makes your job easier in the future? Or does it mean that we can actually get appropriate raises that covers inflation or whatever that means? But if you can bring it back down to the level of why it's important to them, I think you have a greater opportunity for uh, impact. Yeah, actually include them. It'll work well. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Matthew, let's go to you. I really appreciated what Dr. Destiny had talked about with qualitative research and then the blending of both quantitative and qualitative, bringing it back to our job as IOs uh, and our ability to ask good questions. You know, we collect a lot of this data, we or we have access to a lot of this data. There are platforms out there that, you know, as many people have mentioned, can can give you analytics on whatever you would like. But once we have this, when we go to the client and say, now that we have this data, what would success look like for you? What would it mean for you? Because again, my definition, that might be different than yours. And so getting a better understanding of your impact, your your perspective, and then as what uh, to follow up with what Dr. Martha had said about communication, involving the people or the employees who are directly impacted or might be indirectly impacted by whatever changes may be implemented, you know, going to them and saying, here's what we've identified and here's what we are considering changing or, or uh, bringing in or, or whatever it may be. How might that change impact you and your ability to do your job? That qualitative story, those, those, uh, those pieces of information, those experiences are really going to help identify not only is this the right path, but is it going to be successful in getting to the destination that that organization is really wanting to get to? It's involving the right stakeholders in that conversation and really blending both the quantitative analytics, the, the numbers that we can get on anything, and the stories behind it, the qualitative piece. Yes, very well said. Dr. Destiny, talking about good questions and stuff, we are getting closer and closer to next August, or to this August, and the conference. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, real quick, uh, before we get to that, I wanted to, you know, you asked how to get people more involved, you know, and I think one of our, you know, responsibilities as IOs is to be a little bit creative at times. And so, you know, you can promote a learning culture real quick. You can encourage, you know, the mindset of continuous learning and development and curiosity around data. You can offer training sessions, workshops, you can, you know, kind of put competition. People love some competition, let me tell you out there, maybe even competition with a little bit of a bonus, you know, monetary. Uh, so that could be kind of exciting. You could also do gamify, like gamification. You can gamify data exploration. You can create challenges, quizzes, interactive activities. You can offer award recognition. So there are fun ways we can incorporate data as boring as like blah, 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 it sounds, right? So that's why, you know, once again, hire an IO, bring an IO on. We'll, we'll come in and make it a little bit fun and switch it up a little bit. So I uh, just wanted to throw those in there to give you, offer you some, you know, excitement into what can be so just, you know, blah at times. <laughs> um, but as for August, yes, we, in a few weeks from now, we have a free three-day learning experience, or not learning, there is learning in it, but an experience where we're going to connect, network, and grow in the field of IO psychology. Uh, it is free. It is virtual. Uh, you can join whether you're an IO, applied psychology, any psychology, if you're HR, your university, like anyone is really, you know, free to be able to come and join. Maybe if you're curious about the field of IO, it's a great opportunity to come learn and talk and engage uh, with us because I do know that I get approached all the time by people who are really curious as to what it is that we do and they want to know more and they want to know you know how. So this is a great opportunity to be able to do that. You can find more on our website. Uh, you can also find more on LinkedIn. We've got lots of people signed up on LinkedIn. We have over a thousand people who have, you know, you know, given their like, we want to come. So that's, that's exciting. Pretty surprised about that. So hopefully we will see a lot of different, you know, and, and diverse group whenever we do this. Uh, and this will be our first time. So, and once again, I mentioned it before, August is the official uh, IO Psychology Awareness Month. So it's a great opportunity to learn more and to share more with our networks. And if I'm, I'm a member of the C-suite and I want to get some inside information, I can come as well? Perfect. Yes, absolutely. And also you'll get to meet many of our experts. So you can actually have engagements with them um, throughout as well. Great. And uh, I think Lee might have popped off, but uh, don't forget his marketing 
uh, IO Psychology Marketing, uh, every week. You can find that on the CBOC or contact Lee um, Croson on LinkedIn, and the information is there. Dr. Martha, tell us about what you're doing. I have a podcast called Workplace Psychology with Dr. Martha Grydek. And as the title implies, it's all about workplace psychology and workplace <laughs> issues. And that podcast can be found on all of the major platforms, including Amazon, iHeartRadio, um, Apple. And it's also found on my YouTube channel, which is Stress-Free with Dr. G. So check it out. I did check it out. And there's some great little clips there. Uh, well done. Uh, anyone else got anything going on? Any podcasts or anything you want to let us know about? Because we like to share here. Um, all right, uh, Dr. Destiny, with that, we're a little bit over time. So I'm going to throw it back to you to uh, count us out unless you've got anything else. I appreciate everybody's time and great conversation. And once again, hire an IO, hire an IO, <laughs> hire an IO. <laughs> all right, with that, three, two, one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seaboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? At seaboc.com.